Welcome to the SDG Talks podcast, where we discuss all things around the Sustainable Development Goals and the Roadmap to 2030. We are your co-hosts, James and Kevin, here to take you along the SDG ride. We hope you enjoyed today's SDG Talks podcast. Well, it's great to have you on the podcast today, Jordan. Um, really interesting to, to read a lot more about Bridges for Enterprise and the work that you've been getting up to with your non-for-profit. Um, and the fact that you've been working now in over 30 different countries with almost 100 social enterprise startups, helping them along their journey uh, through your incubation program, providing consulting, financial, legal and technical service advice. And it sounds like a really cool mission and venture. Um, and would love to to kind of kick things off just maybe to get a background from you. You know, what is Bridges for Enterprise, how you got started with it? Uh, yeah, maybe just take us by the hand and give us that story. Yeah, definitely. Thanks so much for having me on. Um, so Bridges for Enterprise was founded in 2015 at the University of Cambridge in the UK. And it really started as a small student club uh, with no real ambitions, I think, to, to grow beyond that. But it was sort of ambitious from the very start and trying to sort of bridge the gap between at initially career success and making a difference in the world. And then that slowly blossomed into what it is today over time into now a much larger global nonprofit that works across multiple countries and works with social enterprises around the world to help scale and grow and um, help them create more impact. Um, so yeah, I joined Bridges for Enterprise in spring 2017. So at that time, the organization was looking to expand beyond Cambridge and thinking about going to Europe and North America and Asia and um, trying to figure out what other groups of students and professionals could get involved in this mission to help grow social enterprises to scale um, the SDGs and help them create more impact. So I luckily got involved uh, during my freshman year of university at NYU in the States and it was kind of um, serendipitous, if you will. I, I returned from Ghana doing a social enterprise course that I took and was really excited about the whole movement about social entrepreneurship and found out about Bridges for Enterprise quite randomly. And they took me on board, luckily, and uh, I've been with the organization since. So um, helped found the chapter in New York and then recently moved on to work at the global level, currently as global president of the organization. Cool, awesome. Sounds like a really cool journey. And I, and I love that you were already then saying that they were looking to expand from Cambridge to Europe in 2017, because I guess that was after we decided to leave the European Union. So the UK <laughs> was then its own, very much own thing at that point. Um, I'm just still kind of reeling from that that coming into effect this year. Um, yeah, being, being Scottish and having lived in Denmark, and it's just horrible. But really cool to hear about Bridges for Enterprise and, and what you're all about. What would you say then is, like, what's the driving force now? And how did you, and how are you still sustaining it? And how did you go from just this group of people in Cambridge to yourself now opening a chapter in New York? And what does the organization look like? How do you actually interact with all these different stakeholders on a global level and keep, keep things running? Yeah, we take it day by day. Sometimes it's more challenging than other, other days because we run on an all volunteer model. So it may seem from out, the outside perspective quite difficult and tricky to manage, but I think we've set it up such that we have a pretty strong level of communication among people and 
we really rely on people to be trustworthy and accountable to the responsibilities they have on a day-to-day basis. I think it makes it a lot easier for us to keep people in check and make sure that things get done on time. Um, but essentially, the way the organization is structured is there's a global sort of management um, group of, of people. They're working professionals. They graduated from one of our chapters, so Cambridge, New York, or Singapore. And they are just starting out in their career. They're former chapter leaders, and they're you know, really interested in growing BFE and staying a part of the organization. And they sort of oversee five different divisions. So we have incubation, operations, technology, impact research, and um, uh, outreach. So that includes communications and partnerships. So those sort of areas or functions, if you will, sort of cover different um, facets of, of BFE. And that's how we structure it at the global level. And all of those divisions then oversee our chapters, which we have a chapter in Cambridge where we were founded, and then one in New York, and then one in Singapore. And then recently, we actually started piloting two new chapters, one in Rotterdam in the Netherlands, and then one in Vancouver in Canada. Um, so it's it's quite uh, decentralized in that regard, but there is enough oversight and management to make it work. So the chapters are relatively autonomous, you could say, but with guidance and oversight from the global level. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, that sounds really cool. And what what then would is a chapter like a source of potential social enterprises as well as a source of does that ecosystem work on its entirely on its own, or do you feed in? sort of social enterprises that are looking for support from a different level? Yeah, so the social enterprises apply to us directly through our website. And then we review applications uh, on a rolling basis. We have two cohorts of startups per year where we accept between eight to 12 startups in each cohort from all across the world, um, specifically in the developing world or global south. and. Um, We review applications, uh, like each chapter is assigned to different parts of the world to review each application. So, for instance, Cambridge focuses on reviewing applications and trying to recruit startups from Africa and the Middle East. New York uh, focuses on recruiting and interviewing startups from Latin America, and then Cambridge does the same thing for Asia. So we've sort of regionalized it a bit to make it easier for us to manage. And... The chapters don't really, I mean, the chapters do do conduct, they conduct outreach and they interview the startups and such, but all of the decisions on which startups are going to be accepted into our, our incubation program are made on the global level and then allocated down to the chapter teams uh, to begin working and starting the incubation program. Mm, cool, cool. And what would then be a kind of experience for, for a social enterprise or for a startup? What's that like? Like I'm a startup in Scotland and I've applied and I'll need some help. And what what's the process? How long am I going to have support for? Is it just one person? Is it like a whole team? How does it run? Yeah, it's a good question. So we have a six to eight month incubation program completely free of charge for early stage social enterprises at the pre-seed and seed stage level. And first, so there's two guaranteed components to the program. Uh, that include consulting and then finance advisory. And then we have two optional parts of the program, including legal and technical advisory services. Consulting and finance occur in sequential order. So consulting is three to four months and really focuses on any particular 
area that the business needs addressing. So it could be HR, operations, marketing, you name it, um, really whatever is their most pressing need to kind of get them to that next level. And the startup, the entrepreneur will work with a team of six, seven, eight people from one of our chapters. And then after that engagement is complete and a series of deliverables are produced for the client, then the entrepreneur will move on to the finance advisory engagement working with the same chapter, just with the finance advisory mm -hmm. team. And mm -hmm. that will be more so focused on making the startup investor ready. So mm -hmm. what we mean by that is helping the startup um, sort of liaise with investors and be there, kind of like put their best foot forward. So uh, it means different things for different types of startups. So it could be yeah, working on a pitch deck or helping them with a grant application or um, actually helping to source investors. Um, so. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, those are the two guaranteed parts of the program. And then of course we have legal and technical available too, if the entrepreneur would like to receive it. Cool, wow. And because it's a volunteer team that are supporting the startup, is it just like evenings and weekends? And is it, do you find that as like quite a challenge to make sure that you can offer, you know, the best possible service and commit the time and energy? And, and then as a follow up to that, what's the, what's the motivation for these volunteers? Is it just so that they could use their skills to do good and learn and sort of progress themselves? Is that the, the kind of way it all works? Yeah, so I guess I'll tackle the first question. Uh, so I guess on time, like we, all of our engagements are student led, right? So we find that most of these students are really motivated to complete the projects if they're joining the organization. We definitely screen out for people that aren't motivated um, and try and get the top talent there. And most of the time they're working on weekends and evenings when they don't have class. So I think you could say on average it's 10 hours, 10 to 15 hours per week. But again, it varies quite a lot depending on the engagement you're working on and what particular team you're a part of. Um, and then their motivation to kind of tackle the second question is really to kind of apply what they've learned in the classroom to do something positive in the world and align their passion for social causes with something they've um, learned about in the classroom and may want to pursue after graduation. So we kind of find that it's a really meaningful extracurricular opportunity to boost their resume and build professional skills while at the same time allowing them to empower social entrepreneurs around the world and help use their skills for good. So it kind of hits both buckets, if you will. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, that sounds awesome. And there's so many people that are coming out of university, maybe with like an understanding on, in the university world of how things work, but to give them the hands-on experience. And, you know, it's not like they don't have some experience, you know, of course, they're, they're going to give quite a lot of value to, to the startups that they work with. But it just seems like the perfect blend of win-win. Um, would you also then have anyone that's not a student in those teams or is it really all completely student run? Do you get any like young professionals who are still in the system? Like if a student was graduated, they got a job, they kind of keep contributing to the process or do you normally sort of phase them out after that time? Yeah, so we work pretty closely with professional mentors. So the way we think about Bridges for Enterprise is through a, a multi-stakeholder model whereby we have social entrepreneurs, of course, which is the sort of why we exist part of the organization. Um, and then students, all the engagements are student led, as I mentioned, and all the chapters are student run. But another core component of the organization are these professional mentors that 
work with us and work with our teams to uh, provide assistance and support for the student teams, but also for the entrepreneurs directly to help answer any questions they have. And mm. there are, yeah, th those professional mentors are usually earlier on in their career, but more recently we've been trying to find professional mentors that are based locally where our startups are and can kind of fill in the localized knowledge gaps that we're lacking. So it can be quite difficult oftentimes for a student in New York who is studying marketing to work with a, an energy startup in Kenya. Uh, it can be very mm -hmm. difficult for them to understand the local um, knowledge and local context and sort of get a hold of what the entrepreneur is actually like, like what their day-to-day -day needs are and sort of how they can best grow their business. So we have a suite of professional mentors that um, can sort of help to provide that localized context because we operate our program virtually. I think it's much needed. Um, and these mentors sort of are, they, they fall in one of three categories. So there's the thought leadership opportunity, um, capacity building opportunity, and then the mentor, the incubation opportunity. So incubation is sort of how we've traditionally worked with mentors, which is where we pair a professional to a student team working with an entrepreneur for three to four months during one of our engagements. Thought leadership is if a professional wants to write something on our Medium page or they want to be interviewed and kind of share their insights and knowledge with us, we're more than happy to work with them. And then capacity building is what I mentioned about filling in that localized knowledge and helping to um, be sort of a guide for us as we better serve our social entrepreneurs. Awesome, and, and that's just it. Like that's one hundred and one for for anything to seek local knowledge. Like for myself, and I do adventure pursuits, and, and any time that you're doing anything, be it helping a business or planning a race, if you don't have the local context, understanding, and sort of empathize with that situation, you're never going to be able to come in with the right kind of solutions. Um, so that makes it makes a lot of sense to me, and. I guess then having the virtual element is good because you can draw on a bigger pool of people to get involved. But that obviously must also present some challenges. Would you say that's one of your key challenges or what kind of challenges are you constantly dealing with and kind of how do you, how have you been hurdling these? Um, yeah, I guess I, I, before I answer that, I want to go back to an earlier point, but um, I'd say that one thing I want to emphasize is that by conducting our program, we never try and impose our beliefs or our thinking on the startups. It's very much a partnership between us and them. And we recognize that we're not experts in, 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 in any space. So we really come at it from a lens of how can we work directly with the entrepreneurs to help them achieve their goals. And whatever the goals they have uh, for the next quarter, for the next year, for the next five years, we're there to be uh, a sounding board and to help them achieve that. So. The professional mentors work with the student teams and the entrepreneurs from a very like altruistic mindset. It's really just looking at what um, the needs are and sort of thinking about what skills and capacity we have as a team and then how we can best support them. Um, it's kind of like a an antidote to the uh, volunteerism model, if you will. And that's also one reason uh, why we operate virtually too is that I think it allows us to be more flexible and nimble and, and, and work across the globe with different entrepreneurs and build up various um, amounts of expertise in different areas, be it regions or sectors. 
um, different startups that we've worked with. Um, but it does pose a lot of challenges, as you rightly raise. Like it can be difficult to communicate with the entrepreneurs because of the locations they're in. Sometimes Wi-Fi is not the best, and sometimes we have challenges just trying to conduct virtual video calls. Um, we try and have regularly scheduled meetings with them, so every two weeks or so. Um, and there are fixed sort of periods during the three to four month engagement where the entrepreneurs are expected to show up and provide data and information to the teams. But oftentimes getting the data and the information needed to conduct analysis and you know provide the best services to our clients can be very challenging, right? Because if you're an early stage startup and you have two, three full-time employees, oftentimes you don't have a ton of data necessarily to analyze and sometimes our clients in the past have um, have not necessarily had all the data available in the right format. So it's been uh, interesting for us from a learning experience to work with them and help them um, best sort of put that in a professional format and a way with, in which we can, you know, provide the best quality services. Mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense for me. Um, what what then? What are your goals for? going forward in the future, like over the next sort of three to five years, where do you see BFE taking taking things? Yeah, I think we have pretty ambitious plans to become one of the largest um, global nonprofits helping to accelerate social enterprises through a multi-stakeholder lens, right? I think that's, we have missions to impact not just social entrepreneurs first and foremost, but also students and mentors, really professionals around the world who wanna contribute to this cause. So in order to do that, what we've done recently is help build up this technology presence within the organization. So recently, seven, eight months ago, we launched a technology division to bring on board a number of professionals in different areas to sort of build this backend platform for all three of our core stakeholders to interact and share resources and knowledge and help social entrepreneurs, no matter where they are in the world, to access a database for free of information and connect with people that would be able to help their business, not only from a one-on-one -on -one mentorship perspective, but also from just an opportunity to connect with other entrepreneurs through like a virtual community. So this is a grand vision that we're hoping to realize in the next year, two, three years. Um, who knows? I mean, we have to be flexible with timing because we run as volunteers. So really just trying to be as nimble as possible and understanding that things take time. Um, mm. This is the, the, the goal and we hope to expand to more chapters around the world, work with more students, more professionals, and of course, continue empowering more social entrepreneurs. But you know, through this journey, we hope to also become sort of a thought leader or a go-to um, in the social enterprise ecosystem because mm. the more entrepreneurs we work with, the more we start to see patterns and realize some things um, that startups are looking for uh, mm -hmm. across regions and across sectors. So hopefully we can sort of use that knowledge for good and help to share it with different people. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What, what, what then if somebody's listening into the podcast just now, be it a student or an enterprise, a startup enterprise, or uh, what have you, how could they potentially engage with you? What's the process like there? Yeah, so we accept 
I mean, it depends on who, who they are first, I guess. Startups can apply directly to our program online. Our application is available there year round. Uh, it's quite easy, takes 10, 15 minutes to fill out. So definitely encourage any entrepreneurs that are based in Africa, Asia, Latin America, the Middle East to fill that out uh, if you think you're eligible. Um, and then students, if they're based in one of the chapters that we already have operating, they can apply directly to the chapter. Um, you can check out what available positions uh, there are by going to ops.bridgesforenterprise.com. That's O-P-P-S dot bridgesforenterprise.com. And then professional mentors, lastly, can go to our website and fill out an application to become a mentor in one of those three buckets I mentioned earlier. So it's quite easy to do. The application's available year-round, and we'll get back to you um, in two, three weeks or so after the application's filled out. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get you involved in some way. Cool, Jordan. Very, very, very concise and informative. Um, and I'll make sure to put all those links in the chat below so that anyone wants to check it out, they can they can easily find it. Um, but that sounds really great to me. I don't know if there's anything more that you want to share on the work that you're doing or any like mic drops, any inspirational thoughts for anyone listening in here. Um, yeah, leave the floor to you. I think the only other thing I'd love to highlight and kind of give a shout out to is the entrepreneurs that we work with, right? So I'm always inspired. I think what drives me to do this work is really to see the impact we can create for the entrepreneurs we serve. So one example I love to highlight is on our homepage, but it's an entrepreneur uh, named Elvis. He's based in rural Uganda. He runs a social enterprise called Pearl Entrepreneurs Academy, and they sell clean cook stoves and solar lanterns to low-income populations in Uganda. And our New York chapter worked with him uh, for the consulting and finance advisory engagements to help create impact tracking frameworks and help create financial models for his business. And he was able to successfully apply to different grant applications as well um, through the support that we were able to give him. And first and foremost, it was just so inspiring to see how his business is able to impact so many lives on the ground. And even though we can't be physically in Uganda working with him, it's just so motivating to see the difference that students can make around the world just through using their knowledge and partnering with professionals who can fill in the local knowledge gaps. And um, yeah, we wish him and all of our entrepreneurs the best and great success on their journey because being an entrepreneur is so tough and oftentimes you feel quite siloed in your own region or community, wherever you're based and getting to interact with people around the world that are really dedicated to working with you and alongside you to grow your business is quite empowering. So we hope to continue to serve more entrepreneurs like Elvis and others around the world. Awesome. Love to hear it. And yeah, I really think what you're what you're doing and what you've created here is extremely innovative and it feels like the definition of innovation. You found these this missing link between different target groups and how they can both work to serve each other. Um, and yeah, you've not developed some amazing new solar panel technology, but the impact that you're having through this is is really mega when you look at the numbers and the countries you're working in. So I just wanted to say thank you very much for the work you're doing and and yeah, thank you for coming on STG Talks. Well, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it. It was awesome to talk to you today. And yeah, hopefully we can get more people to join our cause.
Thanks for listening to the STG Talks podcast. Make sure to check out all the show notes for relevant links from this show. Please share and follow STG Talks on social media and stay tuned for updates from the Unleash and United Nations community. The goal of STG Talks is to bring you value. So if you want to learn about something specific or have suggestions, please let us know. We look forward to seeing you next time on STG Talks.